I want to continue talking about walking by faith, but I want to talk about this. There's a subject, and it's going to actually lead, lead me into the next series. If you'll notice, we're talking about identity, the authority of the believer. We're, we're taking a little intermission, getting back to make sure we're doing the word and talking about walking by faith. All of these things, well, the next piece to this puzzle is I want to do a very uh, extensive teaching on the precious blood of Jesus. And uh, the Lord's just been talking to me about things. You know, years ago, uh, I sat in a class at Ramah on the blood covenant. And I remember the first time, I think it was in the 80s, I heard a guy named Kenneth Copeland talk about the blood covenant. So I, I remember it just caught me and I started studying about it. Then I went to Rama, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it set me uh, on a several year study of the blood covenant to where I taught a pretty extensive class on that. But that'll be part of this. But I'm telling you, faith in the blood, we don't talk about that enough. Faith in the blood. So we're going to talk about that today. And so we kind of finished last week. Uh, go to Hebrews chapter 6. And we've been talking about through faith and patience, we receive the promises of God. And I want to just kind of go, kind of run on this, and then we'll get into the other. In Hebrews 6 12, it says this it says that you be not slothful. That word slothful in the Greek means don't be lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise or the promises. We, we obtain all the promises of God through faith and through patience. Now, patience, we said this is the Greek word makruthmia. It literally means endurance. It means persistence, perseverance. It means a constancy a single-mindedness. And in that definition of this word, what patience is, it's a force that comes out of your spirit. It's, it's, it's a spiritual force that comes out of the fruit of your recreated or your brand new spirit, right? So patience, what happens is you start meditating in the word of God and then all of a sudden, the word of God will start opening to you and the Holy Spirit will start speaking to your heart. And whenever you hear the word of God down on the inside of you, that's where faith is. So faith, faith doesn't come by you wanting it. It comes by hearing the word of God. The biggest thing in, in today's society, we're, our biggest roadblock is very few believers ever really hear the word of God. We have multitudes that listen to it, but very few that actually hear it. See, you can't, you cannot see John 3, 16, any scriptures in this Bible. You can't even see them unless the Holy Spirit opens them to you. Oh, you could quote the verse. You could have a mental, intellectual understanding of it, but there's no faith there. And you know that if you've ever been that way because the minute a circumstance changes, you crumble under it. And, and usually in this place, 
You have people that can quote a lot of scriptures and they come to church and they look great on the outside, but they're like that fig tree that Jesus went up to. There's leaves, but there's no figs. And so why is that? Why are we having trouble hearing? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it tells us exactly. In the final days, it says in the last days, but there's another Greek word for last days. The last days started when Jesus came out of the tomb. The church age started the last days, right? And it's days, it's two days, 2,000 years of the church age. But in Timothy, it says a different Greek word, it's the final days. And we are in the season of his coming. We're at the end of the church age, but it says perilous times are going to come. I don't think any of us would argue with that at all right now, would you? Wow. Wow. This word perilous literally in the Greek means dangerous, difficult, and strength-reducing days will come. Why are they going to come? Because men will be lovers of their own selves. It goes on to say that they're ever learning, so it's talking about Christians here, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge. That means revelation knowledge of the truth, which is the word of God. Ever learning but never able to come to revelation knowledge of the truth. Why? Because they're not hearing. Faith comes by hearing. So what happens is now you're hearing the word of God on the inside of you. You're you're meditating in it. So meditation in the word of God means you mutter it over and over and over and over. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As I keep rolling that over, eventually see the Holy Spirit's on the inside of me teaching my spirit, and he will open that word. And God's words, Hebrews tells us, are full of life, zoe life, and power. God's words are active and effective. That means they go right to the root of the problem. You don't have to know the root of your problem. The word already will go right to the root of it. This is why it's so wonderful with God because all we have to do is be willing and obedient. Wait till we get into this thing about the blood of Jesus. You're going to see that the blood of Jesus eradicates everything. It, it, literally, it literally takes care. See, so many people struggle with sin because they have no revelation of the blood. Because the blood of Jesus will literally cleanse your conscience from dead works. All of a sudden, you're going to want what he wants. You're going to hate what he hates. I mean, it's amazing how it takes you to a new level. You actually awaken to righteousness. So now you're meditating in the word of God. What you don't see is as you meditate in the word, it's the only thing that will build a bridge that takes you from being a hearer of the word to being a doer of the word. Because the hearer only is not blessed, it's the doer that's blessed. So we talk about this walk of faith, but here now we see that it's through faith, but and patience we receive the promises. Right? What things so, Mark 11, verse 24, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them in 72 hours. Boy, wouldn't it be awesome if the Word of God said that? 
But it didn't say that. It just said, you believe that you receive and you'll have. Didn't have a time frame. Why does it take sometimes longer, sometimes instant? I can tell you why it doesn't, because of God. Because God, it's not a matter of God doing something, right? It's literally, if this is your answer, what things soever you desire, well, where do you get that desire? When you're meditating in the word of God, you're delighting in him, now he can give you the desire of your heart so it'll come out of your spirit. What things soever you desire, when you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them. You reach into the unseen realm and you grab hold of it. You believe that you receive. Now, you can't perceive that with your senses yet. But the Bible says if you believe you receive, you will have it where you can see it in your life. But now we get another piece to this. And now it makes sense. What do I do from the time I believe till I, that I receive until the time that I see it in my life. That's the fight of faith. What is the fight of faith? To stay at rest during that time. Right? Not moved by circumstances. Don't care about them. Right? I don't, I'm not moved by circumstances. I move circumstances as a child of God. So now, this word macruthmia, I love where it, it talks about being single-minded. So what happens when you believe God for something, right when you believe that you receive, now this force comes out of your spirit. One of the fruit of your spirit is patience. And patience will come out and will undergird your mind to keep your eyes on Jesus and, and off everything else until you receive it in this realm. You have to have faith and patience. You won't receive just through faith only. It's through faith and patience we receive the promises. It will keep you during these times. Patience gives you the ability. Now notice, it's not, it gives you the ability, it gives you the strength to stand unmovable in the face of any circumstance. And that's who we are. The Bible says in righteousness you will be established this literal this word in the hebrew language means fixed and immovable that's isaiah 54 well what do you, what does that mean because you're standing you're walking by faith and you're walking in the patience of god meditating in god's word releases patience so this is why in order to lay hold of anything you have to meditate in the word of god Right now, we're facing a lot of things in our country. And so you got a lot of people meditating on everything that they're reading on the internet and their, their eyes are getting off the word of God, which is not going to be good. That's why, that's why the visions happen because of this. We're unable to stand and walk in our authority. The Bible says... That when you love the word of God, nothing will offend you. You'll lose sight that we already have the victory. And see, God wants to move in our lives personally, in our nation, in our world, to reap the harvest so that we can go home. Right? 
But we're never going to be able to do that if we don't keep our eyes on the word. See, how you hear or how you even get in faith is by hearing the word of God, which brings you to a place where you have to meditate in the word. How patience is released to undergird your mind, to keep your eyes on Jesus during whatever you're going through, it's released as you meditate in the word. It literally releases it. Like on, in a gun, that trigger, when you push that trigger, it releases the bullet. In the same way, as you meditate in the word of God, you're releasing patience. Okay? This is really, really important. Through faith and patience, we receive the promises. So as you meditate in the word of God, this renews your mind which causes you to think in line with God's word, and then it causes you to react and respond to everything that you face. That's every thought, every situation, according to the word of God. Now you're walking in the light of the word, and now, what does the word say? He always gives me the victory. He always causes me to triumph. See, this is... This is very important for your life. You need to know that no matter what the situation is before Jesus returns, he will keep you and your family safe. He'll provide for you. Might look a little different, but according to the word of God, he'll provide for you way beyond what we've ever even seen in the church. He'll protect you. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you strength. He'll give you his peace. Right? See, we have, you got to make sure you come to every battle the right way. I step into the battle knowing that the battle is not mine. It's his, and he already won it. And I have all the authority in the name of Jesus, and my enemy has no authority. And oh, my enemy could look in the natural really big and really bad. He looks like a Goliath, right? But I never compare my enemy to me because I, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, right? Oh, but wait a minute, it's not I that's living, it's Christ that lives in me, right? So now... Now I'm living in Christ. I compare everything to him. And any Goliath that we're facing in, in our nation, in, in our lives, in our bodies, whatever it is, it can't compare to him. But I have to know this. See, we need to undergird our mind. What is the biggest hurdle? Guys, it's simply this. It's distractions, which, which are causing us to be very self-centered. Self-centeredness. And the Bible says it everywhere. To be carnally minded is death. You see that in Satan. Right? When he was Lucifer, what did he say? I will ascend. I will do this. I will do that. It's all I, I, I. We need to get the I out of our life. You're not created to be focused on yourself. Right? We're talking about, what are we talking about? We are talking about living in the God kind of life. So through faith and patience. Now jump over to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 
You guys doing okay this morning? Man, it's so good to be home. You guys are very fun to preach to because you could just, you're hungry. You love the God with all of your heart. Isn't God doing some cool things here at our church? We're just getting started. Man, I'm telling you, it's wonderful. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not, you know, I've got to tell you this. I was at lunch when I was down in Tulsa. I got to go to breakfast and lunch with a lot of, lot of dear friends from around the world. And, and uh, I was at lunch with Tim and Rhonda Rogers, who were just here. Rhonda did our women's conference, and they both say hello to all you guys. And, you know, what they say about themselves is Tim is kind of the King James version. Rhonda's the Amplified. So, you know, it's really, they're, they're wonderful. And Tim looked at me, and very serious, he said, he said, he said, Tony, you need to know that we were so blown away by the honor that they were shown here. Not just from us and our pastoral staff, but from the whole church. They said, they said, we go everywhere and we don't experience honor like this. And, and so, you know, I told Tim, I said, man, that's like one of the greatest compliments our church could have. Because what do we do? Do we honor people? No, no, it's all reflective. We're honoring God. We're honoring the gifts in them. And that's why we honor them, right? Makes for good marriages, makes for good relationships, makes for a healthy church. So Galatians 6, 9, that was like a commercial break. Galatians 6, 9, it says this, and let us not be weary in well-doing. This word weary literally means in the Greek, tired and faint in heart. Let us not be weary. That tells me that you and I decide. Wow, are you kidding me? Would you ever consciously want to be weary? No. But isn't it amazing when you look at the wrong things, you'll get weary in well-doing. I remember years ago, uh, I was just so excited when I came, when I was 18 years old, man, I was working at four McDonald's, uh, trying to survive in Southern California. I was going to high school, I was my own guardian, I was renting a room in this condo, and uh, just wanting to graduate, thanking God that to graduate from high school in California, you just have to be able to fog a mirror. You know, no offense if you grew up in California. I had a class my senior year, they put me in it called Reading for Enjoyment. I'm like, are you kidding me? coming from Illinois, you know, which they have some pretty good schools there and, and everything. So, so I'm, you know, I come to this church and find the call of God and, and everything. Well, you know, I'm working at four McDonald's, I'm going to school and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing children's ministry. I told the pastor, I said, Hey, listen, I was an only child, uh, which meant I did all the cleaning. My mom, uh, she was a hairstylist. So she had a beauty shop in our house. And so I, 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 I did all the laundry and folded all the towels, did all the dishes. I wanted a, a brother or a sister to help me, basically. <laughs> you know, so, so I told him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm a clean freak. I was 18 years old. I told, He probably didn't believe me. Pastor Wayne, I'm like, I'm, I'm a clean freak, so if you want, I'll clean the church. And so literally, you know, I would come to church every service, make sure everything was immaculate all the time. I'm doing ministry with kids, and then ultimately middle school, youth, all this stuff, just all the time. And, and uh, his brother, Kevin, which is, he was a youth pastor, he said, he goes, hey, 
He goes, we want to make sure that you're not doing too much. And I looked at him like, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean doing too much? Well, you're here like all the time. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't figure out why everybody else is not here all the time. <laughs> why? Because I don't get weary in well-doing. I figure I've just got this vapor of a life to show Jesus how, how grateful I am for him, for all that he did for me. Because, man, I was lost. Even though he came, had he not pulled me out of Chicago, I don't know where I'd be today. Probably wouldn't be on the planet. If my mom had not kept me in church, I look at people that don't know God and just go, wow, that just impacts me because, oh my gosh, you know, they, they need to know the Lord, right? So don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, so I don't have to tell you the Greek, we know this, due season is almost always longer than you want it to be. Okay, that's all we need to know there, right? We shall reap if we faint not. Faint. This is what it looks like when a Christian faints. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. But let us not be weary in well-doing. What is, what is he talking about here? It's not, it's not just serving the Lord. It's the walk of faith. When you believe that you receive, how many of you know when you're believing God physically and you go to the doctor and he does some tests and he shows you that it's gotten worse? You, you are being tempted to be weary. But the Bible says don't, don't get weary, right? In well-doing. For in due season, God is saying, we shall reap. God is telling you, if you get in faith and stay in faith, you will see your answer in this realm. God, excuse me, God backs that up, right? If we faint not, though, this is, fainting is not falling out, you know? No, fainting is this. You relax, you let go, and you give up. You know, I wonder, I wonder how many of us Right before this thing was going to come and manifest in our lives, we just let it go. Now, the good thing is, if you let it go, just pick it up. Did you notice if I relax and let it go, I don't have to go 10 years? No, it's just okay. You know, Father, yeah, I let that go. I shouldn't have let that go. He's like, good. You're right. You shouldn't have let that go. And now I'm in the same place as before I let it go. See, we get so in a works mentality that we think, oh, shoot, I let it go. So, you know, I just fleshed out. I just got real carnal. So now I got to go back to square one. No, God's not like that. Right? Because remember, it's already yours. Have you noticed in the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. It's ours. In order, Father, 
That's how come in the Bible, in the New Testament, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them, right? If you ask, the word ask doesn't mean, God, will you please heal me? No, it means to call for, to require, to make a demand for. Father, I'm coming to you today and I'm calling for my healing. I know it already took place 2,000 years ago before, right? Well, I got so much going on with this blood thing. I mean, think about it. So here's David, and he becomes friends with King Saul's son, Jonathan. Right? Now Saul is trying to kill him because he's jealous of him. But Jonathan loves David. And at one point, they cut covenant with one another. So now they're covenant brothers. Jonathan dies. King Saul dies on a battlefield. And see, what happened back then, when a king would die, his successor would come and most likely hunt down the rest of the family and do away with them because they didn't want an uprising, right? So then there's this guy, Mephibosheth. You know, when he was a little boy, the nurse was running, fleeing, and dropped him, and he was lame, so he couldn't walk. And so when David became king, they hid him in this little town called Lodabar, right? Where is Lodabar? Well, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world, but you could probably see it from there, right? So David goes and he's like, hey, does Jonathan have any family? Right? Most likely, David's cabinet or guys or leaders are probably thinking to themselves, well, David wants to just wipe this out to make sure that there's no uprising. So they go to him and say, hey, yeah, Mephibosheth is in Lodabar. And so they bring him before King David, and Mephibosheth thinks, well, this is it, I'm, I'm dead. Not so. Because what Mephibosheth did not know is that before he was ever born, there was blood that was spilled and a covenant was made. And so David had all returned all of, of the land to Mephibosheth that Jonathan had, all of it. He had all of his servants and people tend that land for him. And he said, and Mephibosheth will eat at my table the rest of his life. In other words, it took care of everything. But you know, for me, for you, See, there's many Christians living in Lodabar right now. They're afraid, right? The fear level, all you got to do is turn on the news. The fear level is out the ceiling, right? It, it's just, it's the same thing that we've, that we've, we're, listen, Satan wants to rule the world with tyranny. He always has wanted to. Thank God the Bible says the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. And I believe God is healing our land. But to heal our land, he's got to wake up the church. Because we're the ones with authority. 
So here we stand. In your life right now, blood has been spilled. Not Jonathan's blood. No, the precious blood of Jesus. It forever speaks from the mercy seat in heaven some things that are unreal. They're too good to be true because it's called the gospel, which is a message that is too good to be true. Everything has been taken care of for you. You are to live life on the God level here on this earth. You'll be tempted to get weary. However, you don't have to yield to weariness. Because if you yield to weariness, you'll quit. And we're never going to quit. Right? No matter what battle you're in today, listen, God wants you to be strong in him, not in yourselves. So you got to realize something. If you've been messing up and living for yourself and all this stuff, guess what? The God of heaven is not mad at you today. He's not, he's not mad at you at all. He's looking eyes wide open, wanting you to just make a small adjustment and invite him to be number one in your life so that he can start changing everything in your life. God's word says we shall reap if we don't relax, let go, or give up. So important. So let's keep going with this a little bit. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hallelujah. I hope this refreshes you. So we're talking about you have to continue in the word of God. This walk of faith, is, it's a continuous thing. I walk in a continuous revelation. I don't have faith events. I walk and live by faith. So the word has to be first place in my life. Jesus is my Lord, so it's no longer what I will, but what he wills, right? That's the way we live our life. See, we've kind of lost that in the church because we've watered down the gospel. Because we haven't really studied it. You know, I grew up in a denomination that the first verse you ever hear is for God, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him or that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And we're just like, okay, all you got to do is just pray this prayer and you're in. But then you start studying the word and you're like, time out. What does the word believe mean? Because this is what we think it means. Oh yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe, I believe Jesus is God. Yep, I'm, yeah, I'm a Christian. No, that's not. See, the word believe in the Greek language means it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a transaction. It's you saying, I believe, Father, that you raised him from the dead and he's seated and alive today in heaven as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And now I know he's Lord of all. So now... I'm choosing to believe. That, that word in the Greek, if you study it out, and you got to dig a little bit, but the whole underlying foundation of the word believe means that you are willing and act to commit your life to this. 
That's why it's, see, so many people are going, you know, I've had a lot of conversations this week about this. This is burning in the hearts of a lot of ministers all over the world. The danger of how many people are sitting in church thinking they're believers and they're really not. Because they, they, they've made a head decision, but not a heart decision. And I'm here to tell you today, man, this walk with God is amazing. You know, it costs Jesus his life. But it's going to cost you your life too. But it's worth it. See, whoever makes a decision and chooses to believe and commit their life to him, that's the person that out of their heart, under with this belief in their heart, that says, Jesus, you are my Lord. Now realize this, will you ever mess up? Absolutely. God's not moved by that. In 1 John 1, 9, where it says, if you confess your sin, you know in the Greek language, it's, Greek language, it's really funny. It says, if we continually confess our sin. In other words, God knows, you know, we're all a work in progress. God knows that we still have this self-centeredness nature in our flesh that's always trying to war against our mind to take our spirit captive. And that's why God is saying, renew your mind with the word of God. Meditate in it day and night so that you can see actually who you are in Christ. That's why we make the statement when we study the blood covenant that if you don't understand the blood covenant, you're never going to be able to understand the Bible. Because you've got to understand this is all legal. If sickness is in your body, it has no legal right. Blood has been shed. If, if poverty or lack is in your life today, it has no legal right as a believer. No legal right at all. And God said, I've given you my name, now you get it out. You, you, you take this captive. We've got Christians running around in their whole life, they're thinking their whole financial life is based on the money that they make. And it's so far beyond that what God wants to do in your life. Because God might call you to a, to a career that in the natural you don't make much money. But it doesn't change the blessing of the Lord makes you rich. The blessing, not your education. Not the fact if you're, you know, a certain profession. No, no, you're to tap into salvation, which is all about him. See, there's, there's life. It's life on a different level. That's why we, we, we don't want to be ever learning but never coming to the revelation knowledge of the truth. So now let's look at Hebrews 12.1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, guys, look around. You are not alone. I loved, Fran and Bud, I love your testimony. Because out of both of your mouths, you're both, I'm so thankful for our church family for believers that surrounded us and undergirded us with prayer to, so, to, to literally help keep your arms raised. We don't do all this stuff apart. We do everything together. Because we see that, let us lay aside every weight. That's God is saying, okay, he's talking about how to run your race. You're to, first of all, 
See that you're compassed round about. In other words, you're to plant yourself right in the middle of a bunch of believers. And then you're to lay aside every weight. This, mean, this word, Greek word means burden and hindrance. What is hindering you from just going all out for God? What burdens are you carrying that Jesus wants you to give to him? Because, see, we don't, we're Christians. We don't work out our own burdens. We give all our burdens to God, and he works them out. Right? And it says, and we're also to lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. And what that means, this Greek word beset us means to press on all sides so as to perplex and entangle us so that escape is very difficult. Notice the Bible says we're to, lay, we're, we're to let that go. We're to lay it aside. I've got stuff trying to entangle me all around me, but I as a believer can still make a decision to just lay it aside. How do I do that? See, I think we sing a song, and, and the things of earth will become strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's going to tell us that we, as we run our race, we fix our eyes on Jesus. That's how we lay things aside. And let us run with patience. Now this is interesting because this Greek word is not makruthmia, it's hupomene. So if you take those two words, you get a real complete definition of patience. The word hupomene let us run with hupomene, or let us run with patience. This means constancy. Let us run with endurance. Let us run with steadfastness. Let us run with single-mindedness. I, I'm single-focused. Here is one nickname that I've given Satan. He is the great option-giver right? People think it's optional to be in the word of God. It, it's not if you want to walk in Zoe life. People think it's optional to be planted in churches. It's not if you want to flourish and walk in Zoe life. People think it's optional to forgive or not forgive. People think it's optional to do all kinds of stuff, but he's the option giver. So be careful with that. Because see, when you're just a listener to the word and you're self-centered, you'll start walking around, especially if you're one of these charismatic self-centered people. Now I know this because I was one. I still am tempted to be one. Daily. But I've learned how to keep my flesh under. Boy, I don't ever want to stand before the Lord and him go, you know, Tony, why... Why, when you wanted to do this, why did you have to get me involved in this? I'll be like, Lord, what are you talking about? Well, you started telling everybody, well, God told me. Tony, I never told you to do that. I know none of you have ever, ever done that. Just, I'm just talking about myself. Pray for me, okay? Let us run with patience. This is a single-mindedness. This means to abide under. That means as I run my race, I fix my eyes on Jesus and I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's patience 
which grows under trial, which means the more you press me, the stronger I get because of patience. Run with patience the race that is set before us. Today, as you're sitting here, you all have a race. It's set before you. Now, many believers are sitting on the sideline, but there's no life in that. But this is how we run. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. That meant he tread underfoot the shame of sin. He not only died for your sin, he took care of the shame that's associated with the sin. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied. This word means sick and faint, which means exhausted in your mind. The mind is the battlefield. Have you ever been sick and exhausted in your mind? God doesn't want that for you ever. So now we go to John chapter 8. The clock needs to slow down or I'm not going to get to having faith in the blood. But well, this is okay. This is good. John chapter 8, verse 31. Remember, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if, which means it's their choice, if you continue, continue, that means remain, abide, and endure in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall genosco, And you shall know the truth. This word genosco, it literally means you will perceive and you will understand the truth. In other words, if you don't continue, you won't perceive and understand this. If you don't continue, there's no revelation knowledge. You'll perceive and understand the truth and the truth, this truth, The word of God will make you free. I love that. It says in verse 36, whoever the son makes free is indeed free. Wow. The truth. So then you back up and go to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Let's look at this meditation thing. Look at how important it is. Joshua 1.8, God is telling Joshua, you're going to take the children of Israel into the promised land. So this is what you need to do. He said, this book of the law, now we're New Testament believers. When Joshua said this, he had the first five books of the Bible. Moses wrote them, right? The Pentateuch. Now today we have the word of God. So we can read this, the word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. If the word of God, see, last night, my wife told me this morning that I was talking in my sleep all night, right? I'm just, after three services a day, all these days and all this stuff, I mean, I'm just like, it just, it can't stay in there. 
Don't let the word depart out of your mouth. How do you do that? But you'll meditate in it. You know, don't let the word depart out of your mouth. In the Knox translation, it says, let God's word govern your utterance. So that means everything I say, I'm speaking the word of God. So I'm not speaking to communicate. I'm speaking to put spiritual law in motion. And I understand that life and death is in the power of my tongue. My tongue will hand me things and it will take me in a direction. So I'm going to make sure that I hold fast to the profession of my faith without wavering. And I can do that because I know he's faithful that promised. That's Hebrews 10, 23, right? So the word of God shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate. Meditate. This Hebrew verb means, it means to ponder, to imagine, to mutter, to speak, and to declare. If you're taking notes, you should write that down, because this is a progression. How do you meditate in the word? I'm thinking about it, I'm pondering it all the time. And as I ponder it, I start imagining I start seeing myself healed, seeing myself strong. I go from pondering to imagining. What happens then is now I start muttering. My God always gives me the victory. By his stripes, I am healed. He bore this sickness and carried my pain, right? I start muttering it. I go from just muttering to speaking because why? Man, you mutter the word, you'll start, it'll start progressing. Pretty soon you start speaking. And then before long, you start declaring. Satan, you're defeated. I'm healed. I'm victorious. You get out of my life in the name of Jesus. You take your hands off my body. You take your hands off my family, right? Whatever it is. That's, you'll meditate in this word day and night, only twice a day. Only when it's day and only when it's night. In other words, all the time. Now remember, God's saying, this is how you're going to go obtain your inheritance. He said that to the Old Testament children of Israel. But it's a type of us obtaining our inheritance. God wants you to obtain everything, to lay hold of everything that he's given you in Christ. And this is how you're going to do it. Meditate therein day and night. Why? That you may observe to do. Or in other words, you could say it this way. That you may observe yourself doing all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous. You'll make your way prosperous. It kind of looks like this. God runs to, or Moses runs to God and goes, hey, the Egyptian army's coming to kill us. I've got them on the backside, mountains on both sides, and the Red Sea's over here. God, you got to deliver us. And God rebuked him and said, why are you talking to me about this? You take, take the staff, which is a type of the name of Jesus. You take the staff and part the Red Sea. Could you imagine if God told you that? He'd be like, so you want me to do it. This is, but see, God understands how he made you. 
He made you to do everything with him, not apart from him. So Moses took the staff, did what God said, and it says God parted the Red Sea. In other words, Moses, do your part. I'll do my part. So for the child of God, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that you're healed, you confess with your mouth whatever the word says, and I'll bring it to pass. Right? See, this is the way this works. It says that's how you make your way prosperous. Oh, Lord, can you make my way prosperous? No, no, you make your way prosperous. Well, what do you do? You believe, you speak, and God does it. To build your faith, you're going to have to speak God's word. Right? This is so important. We meditate in God's word because faith is of the heart. Meditation is of the heart. And, and never forget that. We said this earlier. Meditation in the word of God is what releases patience. You must meditate on God's word so that you are operating out of what you believe instead of operating out of what you're seeing. If you're not meditating in the word, you're going to operate out of what you see out here in the natural realm. God does not want you to walk by sight. He wants you to walk by faith. We don't, some people say, well, oh, that blind faith stuff. No, no, faith is not blind at all. Faith actually sees things as they really are, not as they seem. Always remember this, God's word, God's word is transformative. What do I mean by that? As you peer into it, it's transformative. It brings about long-lasting transformation. It will literally transform you into the image of Jesus as you keep peering into it. God's word is transformative. Never forget that. God's word is also cumulative in the fact that it has a cumulative effect on your spirit. As you continue to look at the word, See, there are so many spiritual giants. They're spiritual giants, but the word is laying dormant, and they might look really good on the outside and have some teaching gifts and whatever, you know, laid hands on my cousin's cat and God, the cat got healed, you know, whatever. But they're but they're because of it, they're not speaking the word, it's not fresh. They've kind of put it on the side, there are these spiritual giants in dormancy. And if you could see them spiritually, they're like this big, gigantic, you know, they got biceps and, you know, veins coming like bodybuilders. They could bench, press 800 pounds, but they're sitting there in a diaper with a pacifier in their mouth. And when they pull it out, they whine and they cry. Right? They go to church and say, why doesn't the pastor feed me? Why doesn't why you know why do we have to have blue chairs? Nobody in this church is friendly. That usually people that say that are over here. They sit in church like this. Nobody in this church is friendly. What does that mean? 
Listen, they're just looking at the wrong thing because what will happen is if they ever take the diaper off and make a decision, I'm, going, I'm using the bathroom, I'm putting underwear on, I'm pulling the pacifier out, I am going to dress myself and start speaking all that Mount Everest of the word that they've heard for years and years and years. Spiritually, they'll go like this. Woo! I mean, guys, we're going to see that here. There's going to be people that are going to come back to church that were offended for generations, it seems like. And all of a sudden, they're going to catch on to something and wake up, and immediately, we're going to be like, wow. You know, their old pastors will be calling me going, hey, don't, be careful. And I'll be over here going, no, no, they need to be teaching, they need to be doing this, because that's not who they are anymore. So just smile and look ahead. If that's you, and, and I'm not, you know, sometimes people think when you're preaching, oh gosh, who is he talking about? I'm, I, I don't have time to think about anybody when I'm preaching. I, I, I have to make sure I'm saying what's on the inside of me right now. Because this, this might be going to somebody in New Zealand that's sitting there going, yeah, man, I'm just like a big baby. I need to get, right? Who knows? This is how we walk it out. This is all here for you. This is so important. Hallelujah. Let's go to Psalm 1-1. You know, I know I talk about Isaiah 54. I know I talk about Joshua chapter 1. And I know I talk about Psalm 1 a lot. But those are three chapters where the three scriptures that founded this church are at. So maybe this is just for me, but if you could get something out of this, this will help you too. Every time I read this, man... It's cumulative. It transforms me. Look at Psalm 1.1. It says, now what are we talking about? We're talking about walking by faith. We're talking about through faith and patience, we receive the promises of God. It says blessed. That Hebrew word means empowered to prosper is the man that walks not in the counsel or the advice or the plan of the ungodly. Now, now remember, a person could be a believer and live an ungodly life. So you don't judge the person, but judge the fruit. I have a lot of ungodly people in my life, but they're not my close circle. Right? Those are people that I'm coming into their lives loving on them and, and just I kind of come in and out of their lives, encourage them. I, I'm led by the Spirit of God for the purpose of leading them to Christ or leading them back to Christ. Nor stands in the way. This is the course of life or the conversation of sinners. That could be believer, unbeliever. Right? Sinners, that's somebody who's missing the mark nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Scornful people, what does that Hebrew word mean? You guys know. One who teaches others about others. Have you ever been around people like that? Listen, if anybody is talking to you about somebody else, realize they're going to talk about you to somebody else. Now, our flesh, when you get around that, your flesh, you want to start talking too. So that's why you can't sit around that. Right? 
So blessed is the man that does not walk, stand, or sit here, but this man is blessed who delights in the law of the Lord, or in other words, who delights in the word of God. And in his law, or in his word, does he meditate day and night? Does he ponder, imagine, mutter, speak, and then go nuts and start declaring? Day and night, right? And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. He'll be his life... All of his substance, more than enough, is coming from within. He's not looking outward for anything. I'm not looking for my job to produce the lifestyle that I'm to have for my family. I'm not, I'm not looking for titles. I'm not looking for anything outward. All of my substance comes from God. The blessing of the Lord makes me, brings me into a full and overflowing supply. It says here, that brings forth his fruit in his season. You want to you bear all your fruit in your season. His leaf shall not wither. That means everything stays fresh. And whatever he does is brought to maturity. It prospers. So now, that's the introduction. <laughs> so now jump over to Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Now at 10.14, where my goal is to finish at 10.15, we're getting to the scripture. But the journey's been fun, right? It's, it's good. It's, it's, there's some nuggets there. Look at what it says in Romans 3.24. Being justified, that means being made righteous freely. That means without charge or effort. I was made righteous. It didn't cost me nothing. There was no effort. I just simply had to believe God. Being justified freely, how? By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Do you know that when Paul preached this message, it enraged the Jews? Because they're like, you got to keep the law. In other words, Paul is saying, now your actions don't make you righteous. Faith in Jesus is what makes you righteous. That was so good, we got to say that again. Do you know that? Your actions do not make you righteous. It's your faith in Jesus that makes you righteous. Your actions don't make you qualified to be healed. It's faith in Jesus. Does that make sense? All the benefits of righteousness. Now, if you do unrighteous acts, guess what? You are still righteous. That's, that's hard. I mean, all those years, I mean, even saying that, I'm like, mm. but it's, it's the whole Pauline revelation. You've got to, see, here's the game. You have positional truth who you are in Christ. Right now, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, positionally. Then you've got temporal truth. That's my behavior. Right now, I'm standing in front of you preaching. Satan will work overtime to get you looking and defining who you are and what you'll have and what you won't have based on your temporal truth. So if you do the right thing, you'll think that you qualify for something 
for God to do something. But if you don't do something right, and Satan loves that, he'll put the carrot out there because he knows to be carnally minded is death. So you're going to mess up if you're looking at natural things. Right? He's going to try to pull you here because if you stay and live your life positional truth-wise, who you are in Christ, it's over for him. See, I was made righteous. I didn't make myself righteous. If I do a behavior that's sinful or unrighteous, I just go to my father and I confess that. And I say about that sin what he says. Father, I said that, I did that, that is sin. No excuses. I confess that before you, Father. And right now, I just believe that I receive, according to 1 John 1, 9. Forgiveness for that sin, or all, right? And then cleansing from any other unrighteousness. Anything that I've done that I don't even realize I've done. Because you know, if you wash off unrighteousness... If you wash all the unrighteousness off of me, all that's left is righteous, because I am righteous. Same with you. If you don't know that, see, that's the key to walking free from sin. That's the key to walking holy before the Lord. That's the key to walking in all the blessings of God. A revelation of this fact that we just spoke about will make you free. It'll it'll empower you to walk free. Wait till we talk about the blood and you see what it does to even your conscience. Verse 25, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. That word means a mercy seat. So the mercy seat sat on the Ark of the Covenant, and there were two cherubs on both sides. So now Jesus took his own blood. He didn't, his blood was not spilled on the cross. Blood is spilled when somebody murders you. The Bible doesn't say it was spilled. It uses the Greek word, it was shed. He shed his blood. He said, here, take it. They couldn't have killed him unless he, he, he had to allow it. He completely embraced it. And then he came out of that grave with his blood and he went into the tabernacle in heaven, not made with hands, and he poured it on the mercy seat. Jesus became the mercy seat. That's the word propitiation. God sent him forth to become a mercy seat. How? Look at this. Through faith in his blood. This is the foundation of your faith. Faith is a lifestyle. You never move on from faith. It's kind of like breathing. Breathing is kind of a lifestyle behavior of mine. I will never move beyond it. Right? Through faith in his blood, look at this, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. When I stand and say, all of my sins have been wiped away, I'm declaring his righteousness. I have faith in his blood, which causes me to say, all of my sin has been wiped away. 
The wages of sin is death, so now everything has been removed that could bring death into my life. Wow. The remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. You know what this means? The forbearance of God? It means that God will never give up on you. As, as God's sitting in your life today, he'll never give up on you. No matter how many times you maybe go your own way, he, it's just, but you know, when you're a parent, you kind of get, understand that a little bit. Through the forbearance of God, God would not give up on you. God, see, God sits. He's not in time. So he's all-knowing. He sees every, He sees you. Right now, he sees the day you're born, the day you go home to be with him. He sees you four billion years in eternity. Right now, he sees all of it. And, and what happened, he saw you being dead in your trespasses and sins, and he never gave up on you. And he says, no, 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 no. I'll never give up on them. I mean, think about God who knows people will never accept him and yet their whole life. He, I mean, Jesus still bore all their sin, all their sickness, all their disease. He still paid for it all knowing they would never accept him, knowing that some of them would spit in his face. But God, he's forbearing. He just never gives up on people. And he will literally come after a person, I mean, until they step off out of this world. I mean, so much so at the great white throne judgment when all those that never received Christ will stand before and have to be judged for all the sins that Jesus paid for, but they chose, they chose to reject it. He still says he's all-knowing and he still tells them, open the book again. Let's just check. Check to make sure to see, maybe their name might be there. God loves, God loves humanity. See, this was written to Gentile Christians. They would have had to ask the Jews about this because they didn't understand propitiation, mercy seat. What is all this? See, the high priest putting, putting the blood on the mercy seat was proof to the children of Israel that their sins would be covered for one year. Jesus' blood on the mercy seat is proof that our sins that were a result of spiritual death have been erased. God does not see you in sin. You know why? Because it's erased. He asked me that one time. He goes, Tony, do you know why I don't see you in sin? I'm like, well, because you're God. You can do that. He says, no. He goes, there is none. My son's blood washed it away. Are you guilty for something you've done in your past today? If you are, you're probably condemning yourself. The shame of that sin will draw you back into it. You gotta know, it's, it's been paid for and erased. It's gone. The only thing that's left is this, this mental image in your mind that's not even real. But it seems real to you. And if you'll take 
and meditate in the word of God, it'll renovate your thinking and it'll remove, it'll remove it. You know why God remembers your sin no more? Because there's nothing to remember. Verse 26, let's close up with this. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness. In other words, if Jesus is your Lord, then you are righteous that he might be just. God made you righteous that he might be just. And the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. Believing in Jesus, faith in his blood, is all associating with all that Jesus did for you. Have you ever heard the term, plead the blood? This was an old Pentecostal term. Plead the blood. What, is, what are we talking about? There, this is what it's talking about. When I say I'm pleading the blood over this situation, I'm saying I have faith in the blood. What I'm really saying is I rest my case in the blood of Jesus. Protection, I plead the blood over my house. Look at what the children of Israel did when they came out of Egypt. They ate the Passover lamb. And then they took the blood and they put it on their doorposts. And when the destroyer came, it didn't come in. It kept the destroyer out. I rest my case. When Satan comes to you and says, you're guilty, you did this, and you dirty dog you, and all this stuff, you stand and go, I rest my whole case in the blood of Jesus. You're in a court of law. You're sentenced to death. You're, you're, gonna, you're facing death. You're all this stuff. And here's your evidence. The blood of Jesus. Means I'm innocent. Means sickness has no right. Poverty and lack has no right. Depression, anxiety, all this stuff has no right. It means all things are made new. If you have revelation knowledge, you might want to write this down. The Lord gave this to me years ago. This is really good. At least I think it's, it gets better every time I write it down. If you have revelation knowledge of the blood of Christ, of the blood covenant, it will produce confidence in the blood. Revelation knowledge of the blood will produce confidence in the blood, which will produce a blood confession. This is huge. Satan, you can't touch me because of the blood. You can't touch my wife. You can't touch my house, my property. You can't have my kids. You can't have my grandkids because of the blood. Read, read Psalm 89. It's amazing. It's amazing. The blood. As you sit here today, you are a child of God. You've been bought with a price created in Christ. And now we say, I rest my case. So you've got blood covenant, 
right? Then you've got blood conscience or confidence, and then you've got a blood confession. Wow. And they tell us that we cannot, man, if you want to grow a church, you can't talk about the blood. Oh, man, I'm telling you, come to Faith Family Church. We're going to be swimming in it. We're, we're going to be slinging it all over the place. And I'm telling you, it's just going to attract. It's going to attract the lost and the dying, the hurting, because God will make them whole. Amen?